The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. You're listening to the best of offense, defense, and discourse. All right, y'all. Thanks again for hanging out with us still during the break. We talked a lot of football the first half of the show. Had some fun getting ready for the big game. Mm-hmm. And we're going to switch gears a little bit now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I want it intentionally to not mention this in the first half of the show. I Understood. wanted to, to delay it. Because, you know, had to talk about the big game. We want to talk mm-hmm. talk our sports, talk our football. And I know for me, once we go to this part of the show, it would have been difficult to gear it back up and get into football and mm-hmm. ha- and even think about having any kind of fun. This week was it was it was a little tough. Yeah. For me personally, growing up Southeastern Pennsylvania, graduating high school in 1996, Mm -hmm. playing high school basketball, at that point at least having hoop dreams, and there is a name that if you played basketball in that region, you've known since high school, before the rest of the world knew who the kid was we did Mm -hmm. kobe bean bryant sunday morning all right behind the curtain a little bit john and i participate in a group on social media shout out journalists on the rise Mm -hmm. where we have a lot of conversations and discussions just about many relevant topics that we can't necessarily always talk about publicly, but it's like it's like a safe space for us to discuss all the different stuff, give each other advice, share, mm-hmm. help each other, promote each other's work, whatever. But in particular Sunday morning, being involved in this group with people that get a lot of early access to news, mm-hmm. I see, I look at my phone Sunday, probably about 10 minutes to 2 or so, around 2 o'clock-ish, and I start seeing a lot of alerts. And, uh-huh. and I look at one of the previews, it's something that caught my attention, like, what? Can't believe So I opened it up, and I can't believe what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. I can't like I really don't believe the news. I not everybody in this in this group is a sports person. So I'm truly truly hoping that somebody got a hold of one of those just terrible internet rumors or something that we'll find out in an hour or two now it's not real, it was fake. And I want to start texting my friends and call it around and Everybody's looking at me like, huh? I haven't heard anything yet. I don't know anything. So it's just this terrible, like, gut-wrenching news that you can't verify yet. Mm. And I can't believe I'm actually about to say this, but in the moment, shout out to the police. Because they weren't, excuse me, they weren't publicly confirming anything until they were able to contact the family. But TMZ decides to release this story anyway, that their job is information. Their job Mm -hmm. is to get the news, the story out first. That's their job. I don't blame TMZ for doing their job. But at the same time, it sucks. Because... It's very, very likely in the internet day and age, the connected world that we're in, mm-hmm. it's very likely you see this story on your phone or some alert pop up on social media 
before if you're the family, I mean, that you see this pop up before that, that mm. they're able to contact you now, and that's a horrible new way to get any kind of news like this. It's and we'll we'll, we'll I want to circle back to that as far as our discussion, mm-hmm. but for for me, Sunday had a game plan. Um, shout out to Brian Waters who we've had on this show. Uh, Brian and I are both pro wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. Sunday was the Royal Rumble. Oh, uh, you know, I'm. I, I know you don't share my my oh, love. I, I am not opposed to pro wrestling. I like pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. I, but you and Brian Waters are far more into it <laughs> than I am. Well, I w- I will say this: the Royal Rumble is my favorite pay per view mm-hmm. of the year. It is my more absolute, than WrestleMania. M- more yes, more than WrestleMania. I love the Royal Rumble. Okay, but more than SummerSlam. Yes. Okay. Yes. So more than Hell in a Cell, yeah, more, more than all Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble is, is, is my number is my number one, and I usually work early morning news, which mm-hmm. means I have to be at work at three a.m. Mm-hmm. So my plan was to come home from church on Sunday and to take a long nap, so I could get up, watch the Royal Rumble, and then take another short nap before going to work Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a play. My shout out to my brother. We it's my brother. I love him. We ain't got no beef. We just don't talk a lot. My brother called me to tell me about to tell me the news. My brother called me and and I, I got to admit that that goes to my brother. I saw I, I, I saw the phone ring. And I'm still half sleeping. Like I'll, I'll, I'll hit him back. Mm-hmm. So sent my brother the voicemail. But then I saw all the notifications that you were talking about in the group. And as soon as I saw the notifications, I realized that's why my brother was calling me. And, you know, it's, and as soon as as soon as I saw the first news story, mm-hmm. like I'd heard people talking about it. And for for me, when you, you know, when you see stories like that, almost as important as the story at this point now is who's posting it mm-hmm. the source the source you know is it a sto- is it a network that i've heard of and i'll say this mm-hmm. bash tmz if you want all you want they don't get a lot of stuff wrong no it's it's funny and it's funny how media has changed probably over the last 10 years cuz i feel like honestly since the death of michael jackson mm-hmm. now you know like when when that happened, you were looking at TMZ with a side eye. It was like, okay, TMZ said Michael Jackson was dead, but CNN, Fox, ABC, NBC hadn't said it yet. And so you're looking at TMZ like, okay, you're a tabloid. Mm-hmm. I don't believe you. Where now it's it's okay, I'm not seeing this on these other stations, but TMZ is saying it. Mm-hmm. So this, it's, it's probably it's, true. It's probably true. And the thing was, like, people were posting screenshots of the TMZ story. Mm-hmm. TMZ crashed. I went to TMZ. You tried to go because they were the only people who had news. Yeah, on. they were the only people who had news on. I went to TMZ. TMZ had crashed. They weren't even up. Yeah, no, nobody else had ink on it except TMZ. Mm-hmm. So, but nonetheless, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I hear the story, so I got to go tell the rest of my family. You know, this is the Philadelphia area, so just like you said, we. You know, at this point now, well, Kobe, you know, Kobe's a household name. Truly, yeah. truly, one of like, especially in beyond the- basketball household name. Mm-hmm. Like people who, as far as I know, are not huge sports fans. You know, you one know. way or another, felt this one. Yeah, you know. At this point, like, Kobe's up if there you're with, over with, 30, with Jordan. If and you're over LeBron. thirty, you grew up with Kobe. Yeah. Honestly, I'd probably say twenty twenty five. Mm-hmm. You because Kobe retired what three four years ago? No, five. Because this is this this was his year. He was up for the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame, so he's been out. Yeah. So, so yeah, you remember Kobe? You grew up with Kobe. It's 
it's one of those moments where you are forced to reflect on the fragility of life and also how uncontrollable life is for all of our best laid plans and preparation and efforts there are things that happen that we don't have the answers for I didn't plan for this I didn't want that I didn't see it coming I didn't expect it and yet it happened Mm. and now we have to after being knocked down, get up and keep going. So I would, what I want to do is at least in this second half of this, of this show, take a moment and celebrate, like really, really celebrate how great Kobe was. Like, you know I'm a basketball guy. Like, I am at heart a basketball guy. So it's it's easy for me to go back over the years and I can think of amazing moments, highlights, favorite plays, favorite are you remember how many times me and Toot be up in the barbershop arguing with AG, Mike versus Kobe and Kobe was the first person who I ever even felt like it was worth having an argument about Mike about. Mm. It's only one other person now. But like you can bring up anybody any names other than Kobe or LeBron when we don't want to argue about Mike, who's the GOAT. Mm-hmm. So like Kobe was the only like prior to LeBron, Kobe was the only person people could argue like, well, Kobe, no. Like who else you got? You nobody else could get at a time where the NBA needed greatness, Kobe gave it to him. Mm. After Mike, everybody's looking for the next one. They're looking for someone else to carry the standard. and Because no one really took it from Mike. Like Magic and Bird battled for it. Then Isaiah came up and snatched it. Mm-hmm. And then Mike said, nah, it's mine. Mm-hmm. And he never really gave it up. He retired on top. And then twice. Ke- twice. twice. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the second time yeah. with the Bulls, he retired on twice. And then when he came back with the Wizards, he's a, four- yeah. he's a 40-year-old man just out there teaching class more than really. Mm-hmm. So when you see the Spurs start winning and – you're like, eh, okay, they won, but it doesn't feel the same because they didn't. It's like you have a heavyweight champ who gets the belt because somebody retired. He never actually knocked off the champ to earn it. He's got to go through some some title defenses before he really gets that respect. Mm-hmm. Kobe was the guy who was able to get a title, go through a couple defenses, and make you realize, oh, I'm he's that great too. He, he he's that kind. Like Kobe, yeah. It it was truly beautiful to watch. Like you, Kobe's a guy you could watch his tape in slow motion mm-hmm. and just spend your time appreciating the artistry of his footwork, his balance. Like his vision, all of those things. It, he was a master of his craft. All right, so I'm just, well, but before I go ahead, we do, we are going to have a special guest coming up in this half of the show as well. Mm-hmm. We will have Mr. Emery Dabney joining us. Emery, friend of mine, was point guard. For Lower Marion High School, the champion Lower Marion High School, Mm -hmm. 
bas- men's basketball team and a teammate of Kobe Bryant. He will be joining us shortly. shortly. So I'm looking forward to having that conversation, letting Lemery get a chance to share some stories with us, some things maybe we all weren't privy to since, you know, he can say he can honestly say he knew he went to war with the Kobe. He battled with him. He knows he knows he's the Mamba, you know? So I'm I'm looking forward to that. And meantime though, before we get to that, JB, let me just ask you. So I, I feel like I've been rambling a little <laughs> bit here, which I'm not usually one to do. Mm. When when you say the name Kobe you don't even have to say his whole name. You just say no, Kobe. No, no. What comes to your mind? It's funny. I I knew, you know, we both knew when it happened that eventually the two of us were going to sit down at a table. We were going to turn on two microphones. We were going to hit record on a laptop. And we were going to talk about this. And... As much as we talk, and you and I have sat down here and lost track of time and argue, you know, going back and forth over a bunch of things a bunch of times. And sometimes it just seems really, really easy. It's like I think back, you know, we, you, you and I go back and forth, March Madness. You know, I, I remember uh, James Lewis, he hit us up because we were arguing over March Madness and. He thought we were going to fight in the studio. And we, there have been times we've talked about things on this show where I will go back and edit it because we, we, we're, we are given an hour and 55 minutes. Mm-hmm. So there have been times when we've had conversations where I got to go back into the show. Oh, we definitely we, had the trim. Yeah, we got, yeah, we got to trim some things. But I knew we were going to have to talk about this. And I feel like I've been going back and forth in my head about what I was going to say for these last couple of days. And it's because I I want to be honest. And I you know, I, I want to be honest and I want to be transparent. But and at the risk of sounding cliche, I want to keep it real. You and I have talked about this on this show, and we've talked about it in the context of Kobe in this show. So I just, you know, ask for the listeners, indulge me for a second. I hated Kobe Bryant. Absolutely loathed Kobe Bryant. But I say it, I hated him in the context of sports. And I always used to talk about it in the context of sports. Whereas I respected him as a man. Respected him as a father. I would say, hey, man, I hated Kobe. I said it to somebody this week, and they asked, why would you hate Kobe Bryant? I'm like, I was a Sixers fan, and Kobe consistently, for almost 20 years, gave the Sixers buckets every time. I hated Kobe Bryant because he was good at all the things I wanted to be good at. Kobe Bryant, as a 17-year-old, I used to watch, you know, I was, you you were, you were the, you and Kobe are the same age. So you were in high school when Kobe was in high school. I'm a couple years older than Kobe. So I was in college. So my, you know, so for me, when I was in high school, the end-all, be-all was she. That, that was my guy. You know, the end-all, be-all was Sheed. For those that don't remember, Sheed Wallace was the Philly basketball the, legend. Mm-hmm. Class of, I want to say, it was 93-ish, 94, mm-hmm. somewhere 94, in there. 95, yeah. But he was the man of Philly basketball before Kobe. Before Kobe. It was, it was, he, he was the guy. And, and as just like Kobe was your guy, Sheed was my guy. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the idea of, going from high school to college was still just was it was still new first guy to do it of of our generation was kg but to me like kobe his game was different 
Oh, you never saw it from a perimeter player yeah. before Kobe. Yeah, when if guys skipping college going straight from high school were seven foot yeah. seven footers. Or seven foot. Your talking. Moses Malones, your mm-hmm. Sean Kemp's, guys yeah. like that who who physically were six ten, mm-hmm. six, 240 pounds. They were kids, but they were in grown man yeah. bodies. And it was Kobe. Like, like he was six six, mm-hmm. but and you, he was a skinny at, kid. If you if but if you look at even. If you look at those old Lower Marion tapes, mm-hmm. like he, like Kobe easily stood out. He looked like a man amongst boys, but he was still he wasn't built like like or KG or Sheed or whatever. They looked like giants. Kobe was just you know he he was bigger than the other guys, but he you know he he was he was he wasn't necessarily a giant, but no no he was still good. His game was a little bit more flashier than a K than a than a KG or a Sheet. But I think coming out of high school, the knock was he didn't have a true position. Like what position would Kobe play if he went straight to the league? He was too small. He he was too small to play the three, couldn't play the four. Did he have the jump shot to be a two? Did he have the handle to be a one? Like what position would he play? But nonetheless, I think but nonetheless, it's like like who he was, it you know it it bothered me. It bothered me, and I can say I I said it you know, and it's not and it's not like this is necessarily like retrospect, because I've said it all along. Like my hate for him was pure jealousy. You know he he was so good, and I didn't want to give him his props, but. All right, I'm gonna stop you there if you don't mind. Um, Go ahead. Before we take a break, Mm -hmm. we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back with Emery. Mm -hmm. But before that, I'm listening to you and I'm going to read something real quick. Mm -hmm. To Kobe from Philly. It shouldn't have been complicated, but I guess that's how we do things here. You had to go and say L.A. was home. So our love-hate relationship began. We wanted to claim all your accolades, the chips, the dominance, the love of the game, but you left home. Or so we thought. We hated that mob of mentality because we knew its roots were from our streets. Hard work doesn't happen in Hollywood, we told ourselves. As we rooted for you to fail, but we knew you wouldn't. You couldn't. Did you... Did you really forget where you grew up? Where you learned to really ball? It sure felt like you did. (laughs) We said we'd never forgive you. So we gladly booed at your all-star MVP. (laughs) Don't come home. You were our prodigal son. But then something happened. Our son became a dad. And he looked like us. He loved like us. And when we won the Super Bowl, we saw you celebrating like us. And we fell in love again. Or stayed in love. Philly never left you. You never left Philly. We'll take care of Vanessa and your girls, your family, our family. As best we know how. With love. Come to think of it, it really wasn't that complicated. That comma was never really there. Thanks for everything, Kobe, from Philly. Mm. My mm. cousin wrote that a couple oh. a couple days ago, and I felt like it really kind of captured mm. the city's yeah. like like you were saying how how you hated Kobe. Mm. Y- you hated him because he was a Laker, and they ripped our hearts out. Mm-hmm. But but. You, you had the respect, yes. if nothing else. Yes. The competitor, yes. the skill, the passion, the yes. work, the love. And you had to, at some point, at some part of you, feel connected to it. Because mm-hmm. you, like 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 I just read, you knew where he got it from. Yeah. You knew where he learned it. <laughs> it like, that killer in him, mm-hmm. we hated it because we loved it. We recognized it. Mm-hmm. It's like how people say, all right. One of my favorite movies of all time, Tombstone. <laughs> okay. You see, you know the movie? Great movie. Masterclass of writing. 
But there's a scene in that movie where Johnny Ringo and Doc Holliday meet. And Doc Holliday looks over at his lady and says, should I like him? Like, just met. But he's already thinking he doesn't like him. He looks and says, it's something around the eyes that reminds me of uh, me. <laughs> yep, that's it. I don't like him. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I, like what it was with Kobe. It was, yeah. I mean, it was. He was us. But he was playing for somebody else. He was playing for. It's like <laughs> I've I, I've I've been thinking about how just how the, the coverage of of Kobe and his life is, especially around this city. And it's like I I kind of compare it. I compared it to to Tupac when Tupac died, because when when he died, that was still the midst of the East Coast, West Coast beef. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of people on the East Coast that, that didn't mess with Pac, that didn't like Pac. Once Pac was gone, all that animosity was gone. You know, and now, you know, especially, you know, as the generations have changed and there's a new generation, there's, you know, there have been a couple of generations of rappers since Tupac. But now people remem- remember him so fondly. You know, you almost forget all the people who had, you know, who didn't like him, who criticized Tupac over the years. Now, you know, you don't talk about that anymore. And you look at it now and it's like, look, you know, as deservedly so, Kobe is, you know, universally loved, fondly remembered. I got to pick. I don't go to a lot of NBA games. But I remember my wife and I, oh, it was a date night. Got tickets to see Sixers and the Lakers. And it was, you know, for me, it was something I was really looking forward to. And I used to tell my, I was telling my wife, I just want to go so I can boo Kobe. That's all I want to do. It's like, I can't wait. I get, you know, we had really good seats. It's, in fact, it's, it's crazy. David Stern was at the game. It was Sixers and the Lakers. David Stern was at the game, and I had better seats than David Stern. And I took a picture of of David Stern from my seats. Like here I am. I'm I'm closer to the game than him. So I know it's like I'm over here, and I'm and truthfully, fact, I'm giving Kobe the business all game. Like you suck, Kobe. You garbage, Kobe. You know. But it's like you. I'm sure he's heard worse. <laughs> I'll guarantee you, uh, you know, because because to me, you know, and, and it's something that I've, you know, you and I have talked about on this show where it's like, you know, it, there, there's a line, there's a context. So, you know, if I'm talking about Kobe sucks, whatever, you know, it's whatever I we know Kobe don't suck. Mm. You know, there, there's there's no argument to whether, you know, if whether you want to call him the greatest or one of the greatest. Whatever you know, Kobe's in that conversation. But to me, it was like it was always about it was always about sport, and I was and you couldn't you could not help but respect his game. He's one of the greatest. That's not you know that's not even up for debate. And maybe that was you know maybe that drove the resentment. But you know I I respect you know. I always respected him, you know, and just like all the greats that that come, you know, you you spend their whole playing career being critical of them, but once they leave the game, that's when you you know you have more of an opportunity to respect them as people, to see them as people, you know, as they walk away from the game. You know, I felt the same way. You know. Like my respect for Kobe in his post basketball career was the same way I felt about Magic, same way I felt about Jordan, same way I felt about Aikman, same way I felt about Emmett Smith. You know, people, you know, athletes who dominated my teams during their playoff, you know, during their playing careers as they've now wa- walked away from the game. So to see Kobe being a father to his daughters, of course that talks, you know, that always spoke to me. I got two daughters of my own. 
you know, you it it's funny. You know what what really what kind of got to me was hearing LeBron and Shaq refer to his daughter as their niece. Saw, you know, Dwayne Wade talking about how Kobe interacted with his son. And I feel like as a father, that's all you want to do. You know, as a father, all you ever want to do is be able to utilize the resources that you can provide to your children to the best of their ability. Your daughter wants to play basketball here. Let me introduce, you know, your daughter wants to play basketball here. Let me introduce you to Shaquille O'Neal, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. You can hate on that all you, you can hate on that all you want, but in the end, it's like those were, those were the resources that he has. That's what he earned. So how can I, you know, that's all I ever want to do. You know, if my child wants to follow my career into media, if I can introduce them to people in media, that's what I'm going to do. So I respected him as a dad. You know, I respected him as a man. I respected him as a ball player, even though I hated the fact that he always gave the sixes buckets. I was seven years old when the Sixers won a championship in 83. I was seven. You know, I don't remember much about that series. I just remember that when it was all over, the Sixers were called world champions. And I thought that was, the you know, that was the biggest thing in the world. You know, we talked about that when the Eagles won. The, just those words, world champion. Being able to attach that to a team that you cheer from, that you cheer from, cheer for. And all I, you know, in 2001, I, I, I thought, you know, there, there was a chance that we could attach those words to the Philadelphia 76ers one more time. And Kobe took that from me. And he enjoyed taking it from me. He said he wanted to rip the fans heart out. He might as well have said, I want to rip John Brown's heart out. Because that's exactly what he did. But in the end, you know, you got to respect him. I respect, you know, it's not, he didn't cheat. You know, he didn't cheat the Sixers out of a championship. He just whooped their ass. He just whooped on them. They were just better. He was just good. He was one, he's one of the greatest. So, you know, it's like, so like you, you know, it hurt. You know, it hurt a little bit. You know, and you know, I don't, I don't know him. You know, I didn't know him personally. But, you know, I always, you know, it's, it's just as much as I enjoyed rooting against, you know, as much as I enjoyed rooting against him, it was always about sport. Always about sport. So, you know, just like you, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting like you are. Because he was still, he's one of the greatest players. And he, you know, it, in the end, you know, he, he's a dad just like me. He's husband just like me. And it's, it, it, it hurts. It hurts. You're listening to the best of offense, defense, and discourse. You feel on this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search best in the world sports. James Lewis. I've never lived in a city like Phoenix where the downtown is not the center of the city. The, what's popping is out in Scottsdale. That's where everything's popping. That's where all the five-star restaurants are in Scottsdale. The best clubs and towns are in Scottsdale. The best mm. spas are in Scottsdale. If anything, they need to build the arena in Scottsdale and move everything from downtown out to Scottsdale. Yeah, they build in the then White Castle. Then you have an elite in franchise. Scottsdale. Next to them, next to them carved houses in Camelback Mountain. That's where everything is popping to me from what I've White seen Castles in my two years. It's coming uh, to yeah. Scottsdale. I will be there. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo squad. Next to, the, next to the spot, it's like eight hundred dollars. It don't matter. It don't matter. I'm up, I'm up in that piece. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. 
The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. You're listening to the best of offense, defense, and discourse. All right, everybody, we are back. We've been... We've been talking a little yeah. basketball the second half of the show. We were, of course, getting into some of our memories, recollections of Kobe Bryant and the way he's impacted so many people, those who have met him or not. Now we have joining us someone who not only knew Kobe but could actually say he went to he went to war with them. He went to battle with them. Emery Dabney from who was Kobe's teammate at Lower Marion High School when they they won a championship together. And Emery, first I want to say you have our condolences on the loss. We know this is tough on friends and family alike. And we we can only imagine what it's like to go through something so suddenly unexpected. So thank you for taking yeah, just a time it, out man, to join know. us and share with it's us. No yeah, it's no problem at all, man. I appreciate the kind words. You know, we're all going through it. Um, you know, Kobe touched so many of us, even like you said, people that didn't know him. Um, but it's, you know, it's really hard for people to know him. But it looks like it's just as hard for people who didn't as well. Um, so, yeah, thanks for the kind words. I really appreciate it. Uh, not a problem. So, I'm going to start here, simple one. Playing basketball at Lower Marion, what is your first remem- first memory of Kobe? That's a good question. I mean, I had been playing with Lower Marion before I transferred in. I was going to a small private school, but I was pay- playing summer league with, uh, with Lower Marion um, since my ninth, eighth grade year. Um, I think I met Kobe at Narvis League was the first time I met him. And the coach told him, you know, I was coming in to, uh, you know, I was going to play. Um, I was going to transfer in. He kind of knew how I was from before, from just watching me play as a young, you know, as a youngster. And from that point on, I mean, he kind of took me under his wing and, you know, we were working out together and spent a lot of time together from that point on. But I, I'm pretty sure I met him that, that summer um, where I was going to play summer league with them. All right. So when you all became teammates, was it just like a – because I know for me, playing going back to high school sports especially, that amount of time you spend with your teammates at that age, it almost becomes like your teammates are your brothers. What was it like going through those experiences on that team on your way to a championship? Well, yeah, I mean, as you said, it's exactly right. I mean, it's like your brotherhood. I mean, especially um, at that time, we were trying to build a program, and they had won the year before. And uh, obviously, Kobe being one of one or two best players in the country, we travel quite a bit. So, you know, when you travel quite a bit, you're you're flying here, you're you're taking long bus rides there. You become even closer than than like the regular high school would be. Um, but just, you know, becoming close, a close knit family and Kobe being a part of that, it was just incredible. Like being around him, um, they talk about the mama mentality and that kind of developed, you know, midway in his career. Um, but he had that mentality when he was 16, 17 years old. Um, uh, since I knew him, he had that mentality. He was always just a little different than, uh, you know, the average high school player. So... Going back to then, did you see, like you say, that mentality was different then? Was it, everyone always refers to the Mamba mentality that you mentioned. Was it a singular focus on greatness? Was it about winning? Was it just about putting his best into whatever he did? It kind of encompassed all that. You know, it was about being the best you could possibly be. It was about winning. Um, it was about, you know, focus. It was all those things wrapped into one, but the end game to all that was winning. Um, being the best you could be, extreme focus, all that is a process in the winning, and that's how he approached everything. I mean, he got 
amazing grades. He could he could have gone to any Ivy League school he wanted to if he really if he wanted to go that direction. Um, he he tried to win every drill, everything he did. He wanted to be the best at. And if you were around him and you weren't trying your best to trying to get better, he wasn't too happy with you. So, you know, it, it encompassed that the my mentality kind of encompasses everything. So, all right, I'm trying to, because I think for most of this week at this point, by the time this airs Friday morning, a lot of people have spent a lot of time being sad and trying to process grief this week. What, if any memories stand out? that were happy ones that you think you could share if in if there were any if well, we any. had a lot of funny times i mean we used to you know obviously was really into hip-hop and rap and um we used to all freestyle on the back of the bus and um that that was a lot of fun but a lot of the things i remember just playing with him and working out with him and a lot of intimate time we played together some of the stories about you know you're hearing stories that are coming out about just how focused he was and um i remember the summer we were um, going into his senior year. We, we were lucky enough to practice with the Sixers. And I was young. I was able to, to participate and work out with him. And it was the first time he was about to play against Jerry Stackhouse, and, uh, who the Sixers had just drafted. Um, and we used to run on the track. And this is August, mind you. Mm-hmm. So John Lucas, his daughter, went to our high school. So he took a real a liking to us and to our team. And he was like another coach almost. So he allowed us to work out with him. So we were, we'd work out on the track. In August, 90 degree weather first, and then we would go over to St. Joe's and to Episcopal across the street and, and play pickup. So, you know, mind you, it was 90 degrees. So after running the track, I used to always ride with Kobe to the other gym in his car um, to work out. So we get in the car and he puts the windows up and turns the heat on. Mind you, it was 90 degrees outside. <laughs> so I'm like, Kobe, what are you doing? Like, I can't. I'm gonna have a heart attack, man. Like I can't, I'll walk. He's like, nah, man, I'm about to go and get stack house. I gotta stay warm. And I'm like, what do you mean you gotta stay warm? It's 90 degrees outside. So he's like, I gotta stay warm. If I, if I sit in the car, even if it's warm outside, my muscles are gonna tighten up and I'm about to go and get stack house. So I gotta, you know, I gotta be my best. And I remember thinking like, this dude is crazy, but that's how he approached it. Whatever little edge or as minute as it possibly could be, he was going to explore that or do it to be the best he could be. And I remember we were laughing later, but it was like, that's how he was. So what what was that like? You're, you know, you're going into your senior year, your senior year of high school, and you were watching your teammate take on Jerry Stackhouse, who was the number, who was number two pick in the draft. Was, was he number two? Yeah. Number, number two pick in the draft. For his, right. for the hometown Sixers, and your high school teammate is about to take him on one on one. What was that like for you? What were you thinking? It was all, it was all just a bit of like I don't know. Looking back on it, 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 you saw him work so hard throughout the year and throughout the years before that that you were kind of like you had all the confidence in the world, and you kind of thought that it didn't matter who he was playing against. So it wasn't like a surprise because to be honest with you, Kobe was absolutely fearless. I mean, he didn't care where he was or who he was playing against. So when I saw him going against Stackhouse, it kind of wasn't even a surprise. It was kind of like I almost expected it. Because seeing him play and work out, um, you knew that it was possible. You definitely knew it was possible. So it, was, uh, it wasn't surprising at all. It really wasn't. Now, we've heard a lot of people this week talk about playing with Kobe, especially in the high school days. I've heard uh, you know, head coach, assistant coaches talking about it. But for but for you, at what point did you realize that Kobe was something special? At what point playing alongside him that you saw, that you realized, hey, this we're different, we're dealing with a different type of cat here? Um, Way before I played with him, I mean, it was probably uh a couple years before that when you used to see him play against i can't pinpoint one particular time because it was like every time you saw him play he was killing somebody um i I mean when i knew he was special probably when that summer when he went against stackhouse because we had been working out with some other sixers guys i remember carrie kittles was part of it 
But when uh when he did his thing with Stackhouse, I was like, okay, this is this is a different guy. Um, this is someone that he, you know, and that was before. His, I was a sophomore at the time. I was going to my sophomore year. He was going into his senior year. So that was like right before the season started. So that's why I was like, man, look, like it's no one's going to be able to beat us. If this guy is doing what he wants against these people, then he's going to be special and he's going to be special at the next level. All right. So we're talking about those high school years. There's a story that I've heard floated around for years that I would actually like confirmation for on from someone that I was played on that team. How true is it that games were intentionally kept close just so you could show how good he was in the fourth quarter? <laughs> That's not true at all. <laughs> okay. Because I've heard that story floated a couple times, and, and I figured you'd be a good person to ask about that one. No, we used to we used to beat the hell out of teams, man. We, we didn't keep any game close as we couldn't. I mean, I think we lost uh, uh, we lost in like maybe November um, to I forget who do we, oh we went to uh, the Beach Ball Classic in South Carolina and we lost to a nationally ranked team. And that had to be that was around Christmas time, so it had to be December because it was a Christmas tournament. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't lose again until March. I mean, we didn't lose again at all the rest of the season. We won about we won about twenty games straight. Okay. After that, um, and yeah, we, we used to beat the hell out of the team. We definitely weren't trying to keep the game close. I mean, I remember our coach the game would start before you know you, you huddle up before you go out to, to start the game. And he would say, uh, "All right, I'll see you guys when it's fourteen to two. And long and behold, it'd be fourteen to two when they call a timeout. We'd be sitting there, and you'd be like, "All right, here's what we." So we we never tried to keep a game close, and Kobe never had that mentality. I mean, he's trying to kill you. And and that's why I had to ask, because you know, you and I have played ball together a few times, and I've always known you to be a real competitor. And everything about Kobe screams competitor, and he'll do what he can to bury you. So yeah, I mean, so the idea of yeah, so the I'm not like that either. Like I'm not trying to keep nothing close. Exactly. Like that's what I mean. Like I know you too. Like you're not. They're not that type. So the idea of keeping a guy a game close didn't sit right with me. That's why I had to ask about that one. No, yeah, no, we we weren't trying. In fact, we uh in the state playoffs, we beat a team. They didn't score the first quarter. They didn't score about midway through the second quarter. So like we were, and we intentionally tried to do that. Like we were, our coaches' thing were like called single-digit quarter. So we were trying to get whole teams to four points a quarter. Like that's how that's the type of stuff we were on. So you know, trying to keep a game close. Nah, that was never, <laughs> that was never part of the plan. And did, did Kobe buy into that mentality? Was he like, okay, this is going to be a single-digit quarter? Was did he buy into that? Was he all all in on they're just not going to score? Kobe was all in. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, he was, he would check you. He, he, you know, the thing about Kobe is accountability. So he tried to hold himself accountable, but he would also hold you accountable too. So if somebody was scoring, he'd say something to you. And, you know, you wanted to be, you wanted to do your best too, because you know how hard he worked and you know, you know what, what it was about. It was about winning. So, you know, yeah, he, he definitely had that mentality. And, you know, it was, it was like, look, I'm trying to crush you flat out like we're not trying to even make this close the fact that somebody scored you know it would be like you know we'd be pissed and we could we might be up 40 and he still was like look i don't you know i'm not cool with this mm-hmm. y'all up 40 did he want to come out of the game he would i mean he didn't yeah he didn't care he was cool about that he mm-hmm. was you know we were up by a lot he, was, he had no problem when our coach took him out the game okay now he goes now so he leaves lower marion he goes to the pros goes to the lakers were there uh-huh. times in his pro career where you saw something that he did and you you instantly tied it to something that you saw at Lower Marion where you were you were sitting there like, yeah, that's that's the Kobe I played with. I mean, his whole career was like that. I mean, I remember his first uh, – I, I had a close friend that, that represented uh, Ben Wallace. And uh, Ben Wallace at the time wasn't Ben Wallace. He was like, you know, last guy on the bench, just made the Wizards. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he, uh, it was a preseason game and Kobe crossed the guy over and then took off and put his knee in Ben Wallace's face and just dunked on him. That was before Kobe was even playing a lot. And I was like, 
that's crazy, but I've seen him do that in high school. <laughs> I've seen him do that to a lot of people. And believe it or not, that 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 dunk was on the cover of a, of a game, and they had to pay Ben Wallace as well. Because <laughs> he's in the on. image. <laughs> and at that time, that was like more money than he had made in his career getting paid off Kobe putting his knee in his face because I was friends with his agent at the time. So oh, that's crazy. It's kind of a crazy story. Oh, that's hilarious. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he, yeah. He, Kobe could make ben you ben famous. Wallace, yeah. came ben Wallace, and it was a whole other story. Because you probably would have sit there and be like, "No, hell no, you can't use that picture." But then you see the check, <laughs> you see, you see that brand is coming in. You like, oh, 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 oh yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, it was like, okay, uh, well, you know, we can we can make this work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, Emery, I'm not going to keep you. I know you had a busy week people probably making a lot of demands of your time so i don't want to keep you too long i really appreciate you sitting down to talk with us for a couple minutes oh no problem man thanks for having me uh, no problem before you go if there were in one sentence one two quick sentences if you could think of one way that you would want people to remember kobe what would it be determination uh achievement I mean, he he accomplished everything he set out to do, and that's 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 the one word: right? determination and achievement. Because he he just he wasn't gonna. There's no way he wasn't gonna achieve his goal. He just he just wasn't gonna. He refused to be regular. So those two things are just you know something that people need to keep in mind when they think of Kobe. And you know you could kind of relate that to your everyday life. No matter what you're doing, put your all into it. Be great at it. Yep. He wasn't for regular. He didn't want to be around you if you were trying to be regular. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't even trying to deal with you. Uh, yeah. I could appreciate sure. that. Well, Emery, yeah, we're going to let problem. we're going to let you go. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us. Yes, thank you. Much respect, my brother. There's no problem, man. You guys are going. I appreciate it. Uh, have a good one. Peace. Thanks, man. All right, bye. All right. You're listening to the best of offense, defense, and discourse. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. The proceeding was a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio.